Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning. I'm Josh Willis. I'm one of the um, youth guys here. I get the privilege of working with our middle school students. So when an opportunity comes to talk about the Holy Spirit and the illumination and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I am all in. So I'm excited for that this morning. So let us dive in. My wife and I, Kate, have four kids. And so we're, we're just getting to the phase in life. We're finishing up diapers, praise God. We're finishing up that phase, coming to the end of that. And we're getting into this phase where they can do a little bit more around the house. And so I'm all for it. it we're a family. Everyone has to put their part in as a family. We all got to put some, um, some effort into making this family work. And so I love that they want to help out with chores. So one of the things that's been very helpful for our kids to help with is bringing in the groceries. And there's six of us, so there's lots of groceries. So they like to help out. I've got a third grader and fifth grader that will say, hey, groceries are here, let's go pick them up. And then I've got a three-year-old and five-year-old that want to be just like the big kids, so they want to grab some groceries as well. Now, a three-year-old compared to a fifth grader grabbing bags of groceries, those loads are very different, but he doesn't really see that. My five-year-old doesn't really get that either. So there'll be different times where they will grab the groceries, my three-year-old, and he He's got all these great intentions of bringing it up to the kitchen. We've got stairs you got to go up to get to the kitchen. And he grabs and you can see the eyes start to get big. Like, oh my, this is beyond me. And so even he's got the little grunt as he's trying to lift it up. And then finally, too heavy, too heavy. And he's looking for help. Looking for myself, looking for his older siblings to step in and help. And I'm glad that he asked for help. There are different times where, where my kids have not asked for help. Maybe the time when the banana peppers jar broke and went all over our garage floor. But hey, I'm glad that they're trying and I'm glad that they're asking for help. And it's one of those, we are all designed to need help, right? We're not designed to do this life alone. If you go all the way back to the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve in the garden. They had this amazing relationship with God. They had this communication with him, this help from him. Sin broke that, and so Jesus Christ comes in to allow that relationship to be full again. And we see with Jesus Christ coming in, he tells his followers that there's someone else coming that's a helper. There's someone coming up. And in John 14, 16 through 17, it says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. That word counselor is also translated helper. That's actually the word that Pastor Mike looked at with us just a little bit last week, that parakletos, that helper, the guide, the companion. And those are some of the things that we're looking at. And last week, it was fantastic. We got to see how the Holy Spirit is divine, but also personal. We got to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to look at what is the help that we get from the Holy Spirit? What are some of the things we, he does? Now, we could spend a lot of time this morning, but I want to dial in right here. It says the spirit of truth at the beginning of John 14, 17. What is the spirit of truth? How does he help us in that way? So we're going to look at this, that the spirit of truth helps us as he inspired the writing of God's word. The spirit of truth helps us as he illuminates God's word as we read it. And the spirit of truth helps us as he also activates God's word so that we can live out God's word. So let's check this out. We're going to turn to 2 Timothy 3. So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to spend a good portion of the morning there. Yes, we'll jump outside of that text at different times, but we're going to keep coming back to 2 Timothy 3, 
16 and 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along as I read. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The first thing we see is that God-breathed portion. The Holy Spirit inspired the writing of God's word. The Holy Spirit inspired God's word. It's incredible that the Bible is not just a bunch of human authors that just kind of put this together. It's not just a, um, a collection of different people that did this, but this is God's message. So when we read Paul's letters, we're reading God's message. When we come to a song that David wrote in Psalms, that is God's message. When we look at the Old Testament and come to some of what Moses wrote in Genesis and Exodus as Israel is just starting out, that is God's message. This isn't just broken people writing this. This is God's message. And that is what makes this so amazing is this is God's message. This God-breathed part of it. Now, when we talk about inspiration, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit like put these human authors in a trance and just kind of like move their hand around to write the right words. No, God worked through human authors to write this message. He used their personality. He used some of their differences to write this message. So when we look at Paul, we can see Paul's writer, uh, writings. This guy could go on and on and on with an argument. And some of his sentences is like, where's the period? Like he just goes on and on and on. I think if Paul was around today, he'd probably have multiple PhDs. And when you sit down with him for lunch, you're like, wow, another argument. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, you're, you're getting me there. And then if you look at David, David's a little bit different. David wrote some of the Psalms. He was called a man after God's own heart. This guy spent hours out in the field with sheep, and he had a staff and a harp, and wrote song after song after song. This guy was very emotional, and you could tell that he was very in tune with his emotions. If he was around today, he'd probably be walking around here with a guitar slung around his back. I mean, that was David. And then Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, was a tax collector. And you can see that tax collector mind as he's like working in Excel spreadsheets, is kind of what I'm thinking. He is very structured, and that, that, that Gospel is incredibly structured. Then you also see that there's lots of references of money, and also taxes more than any other gospel. Why? Because that's on his mind. Like that is Matthew. Now God worked through some of these human authors. He worked through them to write his word. So we see different personalities, but God um, divinely inspired who, who was going to write it. We also see that every single word is inspired. Second Timothy talks about this a little bit more. As it says this in 2 Timothy 1.21, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, this is God's message. What confidence that gives us when we come to the word when it's God's message. It's not just people. Because we can see about some of their lives and how they're broken in this way or that way, broken just like we are, sinful just like we are, but it is God's message working through them. That confidence to me kind of just builds up even more so when you go back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 starts with, all scripture is God-breathed. The entirety of scripture is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Again, what confidence as we can come to God's word knowing the Holy Spirit did an amazing work through men in the past. How awesome is that, that we can come to God's word now? If that doesn't motivate us and encourage us to jump into God's word, it's one of those, I'm like, I don't know what will. Like, he, every single word, the sentence structure, the genre that he chose, the authors that he chose, every single, every little bit was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Again, I love that the Holy Spirit worked to divinely inspire his word. But the Holy Spirit didn't stop. The inspiration work is done, but he continues working today, and he works the illuminating power that he has. And that's what we see next. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's word. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's word. Go back to 2 Timothy. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, that's all talking about the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. Those are some specific ways that he makes the truth known to us. Now, I want to jump into those in just a second, but let's just talk about this illuminating idea for just a moment. I love to hunt. It's one of those that is a favorite of mine, and I love getting into the tree stand when it's pitch black outside. And you get into the stand and are sitting down waiting for the deer to come. And it's still pitch black outside. You're waiting for the sunrise to come. And you're, you're hoping that you beat the deer as it's coming down your path. That's what you're hoping for. So you're sitting up in this tree stand and waiting there. And, and it is quiet. The technology is away. Four kids are away. And I'm just up there in the stand all about, like, it's, it's just wonderful. And all of a sudden, even though it's pitch black, you start to hear something. Now, is that the wind? Is it a squirrel? Was well, that the thing I want to put on the wall? Like, what is that? And it's one of those that I've had this, I'm maybe embarrassed to admit, I've had on maybe more than one occasion where I start to develop like, that's it. That's the big one. He's coming by this way and you can hear it moving. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I think I see it. I think I see it right there. And you're like, son, come up so I can see what's going on. And I've had it a couple times that the sun does pop up and illuminates what's really happening those bushes moving around in the wind was really, really looking like a deer, but it's not. It's just bushes. And when that sun pops up, you see truly what's going on. The truth comes clear. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us today. He allows the truth to become clear in our lives. So how does he do that? Well, let's go back to some of those specific ways. John 14, 26 also talks about this um, just briefly. As it says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Again, but the counselor, that counselor is also the word for helper. Our companion that is there with us every step of the way is helping God's word come alive to us. So what does 2 Timothy say? First, teaching. He illuminates God's word through the teaching of God's word. He allows us to see the truth. So when we come to the Bible, there are so many truths that are so important that change how you and I live. When I read Genesis 1, I see that God Almighty created everything intentionally and with purpose. That changes the game when you know I'm created with intention and purpose. That is huge. I'm not just an accident or an afterthought. No, I'm created with purpose. That's huge. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit also rebukes us. 
He illuminates God's word by pointing out where we come short. For example, I can read in the Old Testament and see how the Israelites struggled at different times. God was leading them in this way and that, and they started to follow other gods. And the Holy Spirit starts to prick me saying, Josh, what about you? How are you struggling to follow me in every area? What about this? What idol is in your life? And he rebukes us. The Holy Spirit also corrects us, allowing us to see this isn't what we should do, but this is what we should be doing. So a verse like Ephesians 6, 4 for a dad pops out to me. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction to the Lord. I may or may not have been reminded of this verse a couple times, Maybe even as I'm helping with the groceries, I want to see what's Asher going to do. So I might get something a little bit too heavy for him as he's getting frustrated. And um, Kate jokingly says, hey, don't provoke your children. Don't, don't frustrate them. He corrects us. Not only does he correct us, but he also training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's word to show us how we are to live. So verses like Psalm 119, 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That comes alive to me, showing me I've got to get into God's word. It's got to lead me because it allows me to to show me how I'm supposed to live and how I'm not supposed to live, this training idea. Now, as I was studying for this Sunday, this truth that just kept hitting me is I wonder how many of us open God's word just to kind of check the box or do we open expecting the Holy Spirit to continue this illuminating work? Where, Where are our expectations? Because I'll say, honestly, sometimes for me, I'm just checking the box. I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, so let's check the box and move on. Or are our expectations even that, well, it's just hard, and so this section is hard, so we're just going to leave that to the side, and let's read over here. And I'll say, even personally, sometimes I struggle with that. What if we came with the expectation that the Holy Spirit was going to do a work? What if we just prayed quickly, God, allow your Spirit to come into my life today? As I read your word, allow it to be clear so that I can live for you better. What if we just did a little prayer like that every day? What would it change if we expected the Holy Spirit to work? Expectations are huge, aren't they? I love sports, and it's one of those you can see teams come into the game with different expectations. My favorite is really the underdog story which is why when March Madness rolls around, I love watching some of these smaller schools play these dominant like year after year teams. And you can see it when some of these dominant teams come in expecting to win. They're looking forward to the next game. They're thinking this is gonna be an easy one. Well, then they wake up in the second half because their expectations, they were just kind of on cruise control. But the game is actually quite close. And this other team is looking for their Cinderella win and, and they're like, what's going on here? And you wonder if your expectations were correct from the beginning that you're going to have a battle going into this game. What would they have played differently? What what were they missing because their expectations were off? Or maybe it is the Cinderella team and they're coming in thinking, hey, we we had a great season, but really like they're a powerhouse. I mean, they're they're in the top 10. Like, how are we going to do this? And their expectations are they going to lose. Well, this other powerhouse is struggling with turnovers and they're struggling to make shots and Next thing you know, it's pretty even at the end of the game. And then they elevate their play because they're like, hey, we could win this. We're still in this. And again, I wonder, what were they missing if they expected that at the beginning? 
And it makes me wonder too, when we come to God's word, what are we missing if our expectations really should be the way they are? That the Holy Spirit can work in us to make God's word come alive and show us areas that we need to change. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is at work when we read God's word, we should read it confidently. But again, it should motivate us to read his word. As I studied John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything that I've said to you. Again, one, one passage or this passage here just kept jumping out to me. As I was studying for this thinking, he will teach you everything I've reminded you. This is Jesus talking to his followers. They spent three years working with Jesus, training under Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is going to use those three years to launch the church as now he's getting them ready to go. And it makes me wonder, what, what am I doing? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of me by getting into his word so that there is something to be reminded of? So I challenge you, let's get into, the God, into God's word together. Maybe it's you and a friend. Want to start reading a couple passages together and just keep each other accountable. Maybe you and, you and your family, you're going to choose one verse a week. And that's going to be what you talk about and what you memorize as a family, just one verse a week. Like I said, I've got a five-year-old. Just imagine if I did that for a whole year. He's got 50 verses. By the time he's 10, 250 verses. What investment am I making by allowing God's word to be in his life? So that's my challenge to you. We can come confidently. We can also come expecting the Holy Spirit to do great things. Now let's finish up here because also the Holy Spirit activates God's word. So let us finish up in 2 Timothy 3. It says this again. All scripture is God-breathing, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? This activation part. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit also activates God's word. He helped us by writing God's word. He helps us when we read God's word. And the Holy Spirit also helps us by living out God's word. That's what this activation is all about. Hebrews 4 also talks about this. It says this in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's living and active. Why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple ways that it does this. One, it changes us inwardly. Timothy talks about this. Is it that teaching, rebuking, correcting, um, and training in righteousness? That's all an inward thing. That's a head thing and a heart thing as the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. So it changes inwardly. Even here, you see this Holy Spirit judging the thoughts and, and motives. It's an inward thing, thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's an inward change. God cares deeply about what's going on on the inside. You see this in Joel. In Joel 2, the author is saying, hey, rend your hearts, not your garments. Back then, they did this weird thing where they would, when they um, sinned, they would kind of repent by tearing their clothes. The idea of it was it was an outward expression of what's going on the inside, that this sin is just ripping me apart. So God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to change. I'm, I'm getting rid of this. Well, the problem was there were people back then that were making it a big deal. They're crying and all of this and ripping their clothes, but there's no change going on on the inside. 
they'd go back to doing whatever. And the prophet's saying here, no, I want an internal change. Rend your hearts, not your clothes. He's saying it's got to start inwardly and then come outwardly. So God cares deeply about this change inwardly. He also cares deeply about the change outwardly. Again, you see that in 2 Timothy. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, changing, all, um, uh, training, all of that inward change. Why? So that you're prepared for every good work, the outward change. One of the things that I, I enjoyed as I was getting ready for this is I went through the book of Acts. Why? Because I feel like the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is working overtime. So I wanted to see um, how's the Holy Spirit at work in Acts. And one story that just stuck out to me that shows this outward change was Peter in Acts 3 and 4. If you look at Peter, just roll back just a little bit. Peter was the one, one of Jesus' closest friends. And as Jesus is on trial before all these religious leaders, Peter wants to see what's going on. So he kind of sneaks in kind of on the outside to see what's going on. And different people notice, wait, aren't you one of his followers? No, no, I, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Multiple times, even a little girl comes up, wait, don't you know Jesus? No, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. So this is the Peter that we're talking about that changes in Acts 3 and 4. What we see in Acts 3 and 4, Peter and John go into the, the temple to pray. There's this guy that had been lame from birth. And so as they're walking by, they said, hey, we don't have any silver or gold to help you with, but in the name of Jesus Christ, arise. So here's this guy now for the first time in his life walking. And I'm guessing it's not so much walking as he's probably dancing and jumping around Peter and John. And so Peter and John are still trying to go to the temple to pray, but here's this guy now all excited. And other people are like, what is going on over there? Wait, that guy was here yesterday. Wait, what's happening? So multiple people want to see what's happening. So a crowd starts to form. And finally, Peter and John, they're like, okay, let me tell you about Jesus, what really happened. And so they go into the sermon to tell them about what Jesus Christ had done. And this Jesus was actually one that they had sent to the cross. And so multiple people are getting saved, but then the religious leaders start to see this crowd. And they're like, we don't like this. We just got rid of Jesus. And now what are you doing? So the religious leaders come over to see what's happening. And they, they try to pull Peter and John away, and they're thinking, we can't really kill these guys because a lot of people are happy with them right now. We're going to have a riot on our hands, so let's figure out what, what are we supposed to do. So they pull them to the side and say, we, we need you to stop talking about this. Please just stop talking about this. And I love what Peter says. Again, Peter, who just denied Jesus Christ, look at what he says in 4, 19 and 20. Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in the sight of God to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. I love that line. We cannot help but speak of what we've seen and heard. He said, we, we, we can't stop talking about Jesus. And finally, the religious look, okay, we, we don't get this, go. And even earlier in that passage, they real, some, realized something was different about Peter and John as they knew something was going on, because they're like, these are ordinary, uneducated guys, but they speak with such conviction and clarity. Even Peter and John realized it wasn't them, but the Holy Spirit working inside of them. Because as soon as they are released, they go back to their friends, and in verse 25, or 29, I believe it is, they go back and pray for boldness. Why? Because they realize they need the Holy Spirit continuing to work inside of them, to have this outward change. It's not just an inward thing, but also outward. 
One area that I just cannot come away, um, away with that, this change, what, what needs to change? How does this outward change? How can the Holy Spirit activate God's word in our lives? By sharing God's word, by telling other people about him, being bold. Yes, it might be scary at times. Yes, we might wonder, do we have all of the right words? Might I forget something? But again, if the Holy Spirit worked to write God's word and the Holy Spirit worked to illuminate God's word, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to continue to work to activate God's word and allow him to work inside of us. Again, I love how the Holy Spirit did an amazing work by inspiring the writing of God's word. He did an amazing work and continues to by illuminating God's word and also activating God's word. As we finish, I'm curious, how many in here are DIY specialists? How many DIY specialists in here? I, I'll, I probably wouldn't say I'm a specialist. It's more out of necessity because I'm too cheap. Um, but I, it's one of those that I will try just about anything. If there's something broken at the house or needs um, fixed, and, and Kate's like, well, there's 10 different projects that are still unfinished at the house. Yes, I've got some work to do, but I try just about anything. And I will say, like, YouTube, I know that might make some of you contractors in the room cringe, but YouTube is one of those that I constantly go to. And yes, because of my YouTubing, I'm keeping those contractors in the room um, in business. But YouTube is my go-to to try to figure out what am I supposed to do. And I love it because there's so many different ways of, like, how do I do this project? Well, there's someone on there. Well, what about with this project? There's someone on there. And there's so much information there because I realize I need help. Well, I came to a project when we first got here to West Virginia where um, we were having some issues with our plumbing. Now, I've not done a whole lot of plumbing, but I thought, I, I need to get a plumber in here because I don't have some of the tools to figure out what I need to do. So I thought, I'll, I'll have the plumber come in, then he can tell me what I need to do and I can fix it. So the plumber comes in and tells me, we've got a sewer line that is cracked and needs to be replaced. To replace that, we need to rip out our basement floor and put a new sewer line in and then replace the basement floor. When he said the word sewer line, I'm like, okay, we're not going to YouTube for that. That just sounds gross. Like, I do not want to be a part of that. I need more help though. Because also the plumber said, well, we can do it for you. Here's the bid. And I'm looking at that like, I, I can't do the bid. And I also can't do this on my own. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I started looking around asking different people for help. And I was working at the school at the time and bumped into Dickie because Dick Reif, I've got a picture of him up here. He's one of those that he's done a project or two that I heard of. And so I thought maybe he knows what, he, what, what I need to do. And so I was talking to Coach Reif. Well, I've quickly realized there's YouTube and then there's Coach Reif. Like the guy has done, and you, some of you are not, he's done just about everything. So he was like perfect to go to help for, to, to ask for help for him. So I was asking him, hey, is there, do you know anyone that's done a sewer line? I need to replace this. Like, yeah, I know someone that's done it before. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm taking out my phone. Can you give me their contact info? I want to ask them some questions. So I'm thinking to just ask some questions. Next thing I know, Coach Rice says, no, it's him that's done it before. And he's coming over to my house to check this out. And we spent spring break, 9 a.m. to about 9 p.m., I think four or five days straight, ripping this thing out. And it was one of those, I was cracking up nonstop because there's, Coach Rife is just hilarious. 
And it's also a sewer line that you're replacing. So there are so many good jokes. And so we were just laughing um, with this the whole time. Um, and and it, I just was so thankful because he had the knowledge. He's done this before. He's got the experience. He even brought over the tools that I needed. I mean, it was so much more help than I was even thinking. And I, I remember one moment where we're getting ready to put the cement back in and I'm tired. So I'm, I'm trying to work at this cement. He's like, watch out, Josh. And he starts, he's out working me too. And I'm like, he's twice my age. Like, this is crazy. But he's just going to town. Let me show you how it's done. And so we, we lay it and finish it all up. And I saved thousands. I was so thankful for his help. But it was one of those, I was hoping maybe he could answer a couple questions, but he was with me every step of the way from ripping it out to putting new flooring down. As I'm looking at our passage today, we have the Holy Spirit who has been with us every step of the way with God's word. Powerfully inspired the writing of God's word. Powerfully illuminates God's word as we read it. And powerfully activates God's word today. So as we finish up, I've got three things I want you to take away with this. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we can trust God's word. So let us read God's word. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we can read God's word expecting him to do great things. So come to God's word expecting him to do that. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, we can live out God's word and boldly share it with others. Let us thank him for the whole, um, let us thank the Holy Spirit now for his work. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for how you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us um, everywhere that we're at, God. We can stop just with just inspiring your words so that we can trust it. But not only that, he continues to work by uh, illuminating the, the truth of God's word in our lives, God. Thank you so much for that. God, I pray that this, this gives us greater boldness and motivates us to get into your word. I also pray, God, that this allows us to be asking, what does this mean for my life? How can your word change us um, for your honor and your glory? I love you guys and thank you for this morning. In your name I pray, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.